You're listening to the sermon podcast of Mountain View Church. Whether you're here catching up on last week's message or digging through a past series, we're so grateful you've tuned in today. Our prayer is the next 30 to 40 minutes helps you become a more whole follower of Jesus. If you're local and would like to join us, we'd love to see you this Sunday. For those who can't make it in person, services are also streamed on Facebook and YouTube. All the information about service times, what we have for kids, and much more can be found on our website, almsville.church. Now, let's open our hearts and minds to today's message. So we have been in a series on gentleness, or on fruit of the Spirit, and so today we are going to be talking about gentleness. Um, As we have done, uh, this has become a tradition in the series, we're going to do this again today. We are going to say uh, Galatians together. Ready? One, two, three. But, oh. (laughs) That was awesome. (laughs) Yes, well done. (laughs) You guys, this is Sunday morning, not Wednesday night, okay? (laughs) This is what's happening right now. You're right, I did say, I apologize in the room and online. I did say, say Galatians. Okay, we're going to say the verses on the screen together, and then if you would like to say Galatians, you're welcome to do so again. Okay, all right, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Yep. I knew since I invited, there was going to be somebody who was going to do that. (laughs) Well done. You guys did good. Okay, so as I said, today we're talking about gentleness. You guys are doing a good job of being gentle with me. I appreciate that. Um, uh, Being gentle with myself is actually something that I've been reminding myself to do for like the last six months or so. And even in conversations with people, I have said things like, be gentle with yourself. You know, when we're going through hard stuff and life is crazy, we have to be gentle with ourselves. We have to give ourselves some grace. And so that's one of the things I've actually been working on with myself is being gentle. I can be really hard on myself. And I deserve breaks and naps. I'm Betsy, and I like to take naps when I'm able to. Um, And some days I didn't feel like I deserved a nap because I just didn't work quite hard enough. And then I knew I was reminding myself, though, you need to be gentle with yourself. And so when Pastor Mike asked if I would be willing to speak on gentleness, I thought, well, isn't that funny? God's been working on that in my heart a little bit already. God is like that, isn't he? So before we move forward, um, something that I want to acknowledge about gentleness, though, is that um, this is one of those things that when we talk about Jesus, we talk about how gentle and loving and kind he is, and those things are good, right? Um, But maybe not in this room, but in places Um, in conversations, there's a lot of guys who would say, that's great for the ladies, Jesus isn't for me because he's all fluffy and stuff. Like, I'm a manly man. I want a manly guy to follow. I don't want this fluffy dude, right? Maybe you guys have never heard that, but that is a conversation that happens. Those are thoughts that people have. And so I just want to talk about that this morning. I just wanted to address that out loud. Um, In our society, we have ideas on what makes a man a real man, right? And sometimes gentleness doesn't fall into that category. Um, Those, uh, and sometimes if we're being honest, gentleness can be seen as a weakness. 
Uh, a lot of times people who are gentle can be seen as meek, which just means that they're submissive. They just do whatever, uh, whatever they're told. Um, and so when we think about being gentle, sometimes that, that might not be something that sounds like a positive all of the time. But the fruit of the Spirit describes God, and it describes Jesus. And um, even what we might call f- fluffy parts, okay? Even the fluffy parts. So before you, you just meet and check out, let's, uh, let's check out some scripture. Um, Luke 22, 39 to 44, it says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. And he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. And have you all ever sweat some blood? I've never done that. Um, so Jesus was about to be arrested and crucified, um, and he, was, he knew what was coming. He was willing, but he was feeling the full weight of what that meant. He was taking on all of the sins um, that all the generations before and all the generations after would ever commit. And so I don't know about you, but I'm a sinful person, and so I know the weight that my sins probably, the toll that it took on him. And so... Um, and he, he knew that he was essentially going to be dying by torture, too, on top of that. And so he's feeling all of this weight of all these things that were coming. And what Jesus experienced is actually called hematohydrosis. It's a condition in which the capillary blood vessels that feed the sweat glands rupture. It causes them to exude blood, occurring under conditions of extreme physical or emotional stress. That's what happened. That's what Jesus experienced. He experienced so much anguish that his sweat glands ruptured and that he was sweating blood. That doesn't sound like a fluffy guy to me. Doesn't sound like a fluffy guy to me. And then he went and he died on the cross for us so that way we wouldn't have to take on, um, on what we deserve, get the punishment that we deserve. He took that for us. He took that for all of us in this room, all of us online, around the world. He did that for us. And so... Now that we've gotten that out of the way, we've talked about how Jesus, he is fluffy, but he's also manly man, right? Um, I want to talk about what gentleness requires of us. It requires these things of us. It requires us to stop. We have to slow down. Like when a, when, um, a little kid's meeting another baby for the first time, they can be kind of fumbly and they're so excited and they might be running up and you're like, slow down, right? Slow down. You got to slow down. So we have to stop. We need to slow down. We need to get curious Let's ask some questions. Let's not just assume that we know the things that people are thinking or feeling. Let's ask them some questions. And then we need to stay present. We need to make sure that we're listening to the things that they're saying, that we're actually hearing them. And we need to make sure that we're watching the facial expressions and their body language because we communicate with our whole bodies, not just with our words. And then make an invitation. That could be like, hey, let's grab coffee sometime. Or um, it could be, how can I pray for you? Or would you like a hug right now? And sometimes it's just standing with somebody and listening to them as they share whatever feelings they're having, or whether it's physically having those feelings, or if it's just saying the things that they're feeling out loud. Those are, that's, those are all examples of what an invitation might look like. Let's look at 1 Kings 19, 1 through 15. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, and now he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, 
may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with a sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way that you came, and go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Gentleness requires these things of us. It requires us to stop. We have to stop. We've got to slow down. We need to get curious. We need to ask some questions. We need to remain present. We got to listen to what people are actually saying. Watch their body language. And we need to make an invitation of some sort, whether it's, can I pray for you? Can I give you a hug? Just being present with a person. Those are all invitations. In the scriptures that we just read, Elijah was feeling really defeated. Uh, he was afraid for his life, and he was, he was calling it quits in all sorts of ways. He had just done a lot of really hard things that God had asked him to do. And I don't know about you guys, but when I've done a lot of really hard things, I'm really tired too, and I need a nap sometimes, or I just need to do something to fill myself back up. And so that's what Elijah was doing. He was going. He was tired. He wanted to just be done. And then he ran. So he ran, and then when he couldn't run anymore, he, he stopped and he rested, and then God provided food for him. <clears throat> and then once Elijah had been filled with food, gotten his rest, he went to a cave, and then he stopped in the cave, and God met him there. God met him there. And then God got curious. He asked a question. He asked him, what are you doing, what are you doing here, Elijah? God probably didn't really need to ask that question. God probably already knew why he was there, right? God knows those things. He didn't need to ask that question, but he did. God got curious. He didn't just assume. He wanted to allow Elijah the space to say the things that he needed to, to say. And then God listened to Elijah's response, even though he already knew what was happening. And God asked the same question twice, and Elijah has the same response twice. 
as well. God's giving him space to say these things. And then God continued, he just continued to remain present with them. And then God invited Elijah into his presence. That's an awesome invitation. What a great invitation. I hope that as God invites each of us into his presence, that we are willingly go and that we wait for his gentle whispers. So then there was that wind that shattered the, the, the rocks. That's some really powerful wind. And we know um, what earthquakes and what fires can do. We've seen some of those things in our own lives, haven't we? And then there was this gentle whisper, and immediately Elijah knew. Like, there's no hesitation. He puts his cloak on, and he went outside because he recognized this gentle whisper. He recognized this. I just want to pause here for a second and ask you, do you spend enough time with God to recognize his gentle whisper as he's calling to you? As he's speaking to you, as he's telling you the truths about who you are and who he created you to be and how he wants you to live in this world? Elijah recognized it because he had spent enough time with him. So Elijah recognizes that voice and, and again, God asks him again, Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah responds. It sounds really simple, doesn't it? Like, they just had a conversation. You're like, what's the big deal? Except let's think for just a minute about what happens sometimes in our brains when we're having conversations with people. We stop, right? We can stop, and then we can ask the question, hey, how are you? But sometimes um, we forget to stay present. Sometimes, when have you guys ever found yourselves as you're, talking with someone, they're telling you how they're doing or what's been happening in their, in their week or in their day or whatever it is. And next thing you know, you're thinking about how you might respond to the thing that they're saying to you. You're trying to think of what your response might be. Or you're trying, or something that they said made you think about a story, and so you're like waiting for them to hurry up and finish up so that way you can tell them your story of the thing that they made you think of. Or you're thinking about the next thing that you have to do either right after this or the next day. And the next thing you know, you've missed a whole bunch of the conversation and you don't actually know what's happening anymore. We have to try to stay present and to really listen and hear the words that they're saying. We have to stay present. And that's what happened. Um, and that's a conversation at a regular volume, right, that happens. But what about when it's in a whisper? Like God, when he gently whispered to Elijah, when you're listening to a whisper, it takes a different focus and attention, doesn't it? You have to really listen when somebody's whispering to you. You really have to be familiar with their voice, and you have to really pay attention and focus. All of a sudden, your mind checks in, right? When the volume like that changes. It's a little trick for parents, just in case you need that one. If you start whispering. Sometimes it helps. <laughs> But Elijah knew. So both God and Elijah, they stayed present in that conversation. And then once God had assured, was assured that Elijah was filled up, he was ready to go again, he made another invitation. He gave him his next set of instructions and, and gave him an invi another invitation to go and to do something. Gentleness requires these things of us. It requires us to stop. We have to slow down. And we have to get curious. We need to be curious. We have to stay present and we need to make an invitation of some sort. So on to our next scripture. Mark 25 through 34. It says, a large, a large crowd followed and pressed around him. The hymn is Jesus. And so they're pressing in around Jesus. 
And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Um, Just a couple important facts to know here um, is that Jesus was actually on his way to, to heal somebody's daughter who was dying in that moment. So he should have really been, there should have been an urgency for him to be on his way. But yet he stops and he takes this moment. Um, And during this time in history, uh, women who were bleeding or menstruating, they were considered unclean during this time. And so once they stopped menstruating, they then had to do this whole ritual um, to be considered clean again. And so she's taking a lot of risk too in going into this crowd and um, being with all of these people because anybody that she touches would also be considered unclean too. And then they would have to do the cleaning ritual too. And so here she is in this crowd of people. Um, So again, here's just another reminder of what gentleness requires of us. It requires these things of us. It requires us to stop. We have to slow down. We have to get curious, ask some questions. We have to stay present, listen, and watch body language, facial expressions. Make an invitation, some kind of a next step. Um, So in these verses, we find that when Jesus feels the power drain from him, that he stops, right? Right there in the middle of the crowd. And then he asks a question, who touched me? He's curious. And again, like, the, like Elijah in the story when God says, what are you doing here? Jesus likely already knew who it was, and yet he asks the question. He opens up the conversation. And then the disciples, they were like, seriously? We're in this crowd of people who touched you? Like, who isn't touching you, right? You guys have been in a crowd of people. You just get bumped. It doesn't mean that they're trying to be mean or unkind. I can't tell you how many times I say sorry when I'm in the crowd of people, right? You're like trying to get in. You just bobble all over. Do you guys remember when they were like Black Friday, Tickle Me Elmo, right? <laughs> Who's touching me, right? That was crazy. But Jesus stops and he says, Who's touching me? And his disciples, <laughs> his disciples were like, Seriously? I think you're a little bit crazy right now. But Jesus was undeterred. Scripture says that he just kept looking. He just waited. He just sat there and he waited. He stayed present and he waited for that woman to answer. He gave her the space that she needed to work up the courage to be able to say it was me. He just paused and he waited. He didn't wait two seconds and say, well, I guess you're right and just keep going, right? He could have easily have done that. But he stayed in that place after asking that question. And he allowed for some really awkward silence. I know you guys love that, right? That's a lot of fun when we have some awkward silence in front of a lot of people. And he just waited. He stayed present in that moment. He was undeterred. 
And then uh, she came and she fell at his feet, and then she confessed what she had done. But she knew the implications. She knew what that meant, for, for likely for Jesus, for herself. Um, and then Jesus said these beautiful words to her, Daughter, you are healed. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. He invited her into a life of forgiveness, a life of freedom that can only come through Jesus. He didn't tell her to go and do the ritual to become clean. Notice that, that that's not a part of the scripture here. But what he does tell her is he says that you are healed, and he calls her daughter, a term of endearment. That's what Jesus does. He stayed present. Gentleness requires these things of us. It requires us to stop. We have to slow down. It requires us to get curious. Let's ask some questions. Let's not make assumptions. It requires us to stay present. We need to really listen. We need to watch body language and facial expressions and make an invitation of some sort, whether that's just sitting with a person, whether that's praying for them, hugging them, whatever it is in that moment, there's an invitation. Let's look at Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come, up, tell me to, come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Again, gentleness requires these things of us. It requires us to stop. It requires us to get curious, and we have to stay present and then make some sort of an invitation. In these scriptures, we see that Jesus stopped on the water once he saw the disciples, once they called out to him. Otherwise, it would have been pointless for Peter to have to walk out onto the water to him, right? If Jesus is standing right next to the boat, he's not going to be like, let me walk out to you. He's going to say, let me help you into the boat, right? And so Jesus stops. Jesus stops out on the water to allow him to walk out. And then as Peter walks out, he, he gets distracted. He actually didn't stay present. And he begins to sink. And then Jesus gets curious. He says, why did you doubt? Jesus asks this question, why did you doubt? And then by then, Jesus had Peter by the hand. He had caught him. And that means that they're together. They're connected. Jesus is staying present. He read his body language. He understood and knew that Peter was in trouble, that he was panicking. And so Jesus reached out and he grabbed him to help him. Because he, was, he remained present. He stayed present. He paid attention to what was happening to Peter. He recognized that he was falling. And we can only do that if we're watching the person that we're standing with, right? So after Jesus takes Peter's hand, they get into the boat. And in this text, we don't read a verbal invitation like we did in the other ones that we read in the other stories. Um, I think sometimes the best invitation that we can give another person is just to sit with them, is just to be with them. 
in the quiet. Being with a person does not always require words. Sometimes just sitting and being with people is enough. Sometimes when you sit with someone in the, in the quiet, you can actually be the, the calm. You can be the calm in the wind for them in that moment, even if it's just for that moment. You're giving them a place to feel calm and to feel safe. And that's the invitation in this scripture. Gentleness is life-changing, um, just like the rest of the fruit of the Spirit is. Um, and if you are brave enough to let some fluff show, it can change you too. Uh, Brene Brown is a shame and vulnerability researcher. She's been researching what keeps us from being brave and what brave actually looks like for a really long time. I think it's like over 20 years or something. And she says that it wasn't always a choice. We were born curious. But over time, we learn that curiosity, just like vulnerability, it can lead to hurt. And as a result, we turn to self-protection, choosing certainty over curiosity, armor over vulnerability, and knowing over learning. Which means we're tucking all of that fluff away. We're tucking that fluff away. Matthew 19, 14 says, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Have you guys ever spent time with a three-year-old? Right? Yeah. They're really good at being curious, aren't they? Mm-hmm. We had this thing that we did. <laughs> we had this thing uh, that we did when our kids were going through the Y phase. Everybody loved the Y phase? Uh-huh. Why? Why do you love the Y phase? I don't know. Why? Why don't you know? I don't know. Right? It goes on. For, there's always a why. Because that's just the way it is. But why is that just the way it is? We could do this all day, right? So when my kids were going through the why phase, <clears throat> we started doing this. We tag teamed it. We would tag each other in. It's not just for wrestling. We tag each other in. <laughs> uh, so we would be riding in the car, and one of our kids would start the whys. <clears throat> we would do it for as long as we could take it, you know, because we're trying to be loving. We want to encourage the curiosity. And then we would reach our end because I can't, I can't do it all day long. Um, and I would tag my husband. And my little sister, my youngest sister, was actually a part of this too. And so then I, when she was in the car, I would tag her in. And the first time I remember her expression, she was like, what? I was like, it is your turn to take the why questions. <laughs> uh, I trained her well for her own kids, <laughs> I'm sure. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> they were not trying to drive me slowly crazy. Felt that way some days, and they're not trying to drive you slowly crazy either. They're just genuinely curious. They just want to know. They want to learn. Kids are we're born with that, just like Brene Brown says. And they're not ashamed to ask. Or have you ever gone on a walk with a little one? They're like pointing at everything. They got to look at everything, right? They got to touch everything. Just a heads up if you ever want to go on a walk with me. I'm the pointer too. I like to poke things too. Yeah. So if you have a three-year-old, I might be the person to take your kid for a walk. I guess that's what I'm really saying. If you need me to walk your kids, <laughs> I got to take her. <clears throat> All right. Online, you're going to have to like type it in the chat because I can't see you raise your hand. All right. Anyway, so I do. I like stopping um, and looking at the things too. I'm curious as well. But eventually... We stop being curious to protect ourselves. We stop asking questions because we don't want people to know that we don't know things, right? Sometimes 
We laugh at jokes when we don't understand them, but everybody else is laughing, and so you're like, I'll just laugh along too, right? Maybe eventually you'll finally learn what all of the things mean, especially when there's some new lingo that we don't know. <clears throat> okay, I want you guys all to know that I love you. I love all of you. I genuinely do. But, uh-huh, four-year-olds are my favorite people, and here's why. They're some of my favorite people because they are just fully themselves. They do things like wear stripes and polka dots, and they don't know why they shouldn't, right? They don't know why they shouldn't. They ask all the questions because they're curious, and they, they stay present because they genuinely want to know the answers to these things. They want to learn. And they say it like it is, whatever it is, not because they're being disrespectful or because they're being unkind. It's because that's just what they do. That's who they are. They aren't afraid to invite you to do whatever it is that they're doing either, right? Like if you go on a walk with them and they're poking something, they're like, here's a stick, you want to poke it too? <laughs> right? That's what they do. They're just curious about the world around them. And they say things like, well, if you don't like wearing high heels, why do you do it? You got other shoes. <laughs> right? They don't understand why you should do that. They haven't yet learned the rules that society teaches us about how to behave pro properly. Some of those rules are good, right? But we, should, we have to stay curious about our world, about the things around us. It's okay to not know everything. I'm just going to give you permission for that right now. You do not have to know everything, okay? Everybody good on that online? You got that too? These four-year-olds are some of the bravest people that I know, and I know a lot of really brave people. All of you guys in this room have your own stories of things that you have endured in your life. You guys are all very brave people as well. Most of us have had our fluff beaten into some deep places inside of us, and we've built some things around it to protect it, to keep it safe. But God invites us to start showing some of that fluff to each other. He wants us to share that with one another. I don't know about you, but um, it's hard out there, isn't it? It's hard out there in the world. I need some fluff in my life. I need you guys to be some fluffy people with me. Yeah. I think we all need a little bit more of that and a little less of the hard when we're able to do that. Gentleness requires bravery, and it requires for our fluff to show. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about the hairy chest. You guys just keep this tucked in there. You guys know who you are, okay? You know who you are. Um, and when we engage in what gentleness requires of us, we're showing a bravery that the world has robbed us of. We're taking it back. Let's take it back. So here's what gentleness can look like on a Sunday morning or in life. I'm going to play myself, and I'm also going to play somebody else. You guys ready? All right. I'm going to look at you. <laughs> Kendra's like, sweet. <laughs> hey, how are you? Don't worry, I'm going to turn. <laughs> uh, I'm okay. little side note here. On Wednesday nights, we call that an open door. And when a door opens, even if it's just a crack, we're sticking our eyeballs up to that crack to see what's in there. And we're like, hey, tell us more about this thing, because we want to know. We're being curious. We're being curious. Okay, so this person, this person says, ah, uh, okay. And that tells me, what does it tell me? 
Yeah, so that's probably good. Somebody, did somebody say nothing? <laughs> Just kidding. All right. Um, you guys acted like Wednesday night earlier, and now you're getting the Wednesday night stuff. Asking you to respond. It tells me that there's probably something going on, and they're just saying, eh, okay, they're opening a door. They're opening a door to let you walk through. And so that's the moment when you need to get curious and you need to ask more questions. I always say, I'm always like, uh, I noticed that you just said, okay. And then sometimes some of y'all like run down the hallway to try to get away from me. <laughs> When I ask that question and you say that and then I follow up and you're like, oh, I didn't know she was going to do that. We went one, to, one step too far. I'm going to follow you down the hallway <laughs> in a loving way. Don't worry. <laughs> because I want to know what's going on. I want to I follow up. I want to be present. I want to be present. And I want, I'm inviting you into a conversation with me, into a place of saying, I care about you. And I want to hear about this thing that's causing you just to be, ah, okay. And then that invitation, once that happens, um, somebody might say, yeah, it's been kind of a hard week. And so by now we've stopped, right? Okay, because I'm not chasing you anymore. <laughs> right? We've stopped. And I'm asking some more questions, and, I'm, and you're saying, it's, it's been kind of a hard week. And I, I sometimes will offer a hug, or I'm like, oh, that does sound like a lot of stuff. I'm really, like, that's tough. You know, I'm staying present with the person. And sometimes uh, it, looks like, um, it looks like a person, me just standing in front of a person while they let some of the things that they're feeling just fall, fall from their eyes just for a minute. Because sometimes that happens too. And on Sunday mornings, they're usually quick little things. But every once in a while, that's the invitation, is just allowing the person to let those things fall out of their eyes that they've been holding in. And then they, they move on, and they've been able to release some of that stuff. And so sometimes the invitation is just a silent thing, just again, just being present and staying with that person, allowing them to feel their feelings or to say the things that they need to say. Sometimes that's all the invitation that you need. Gentleness requires bravery. It requires us to show the fluff that we have put in a protected place. We see Jesus' fluff because he's the bravest of all of us, even braver than the four-year-olds. He showed us how to live a life of bravery. He showed us how to live a life of gentleness, just like all the other fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness requires these things of us. It requires us to stop. We have to slow down. It requires us to get curious, ask some questions. Don't just assume that you know what's going on. Let's ask some questions or how they're feeling or how things went. Let's ask some questions. Let's be present. Let's make sure that we're listening to their words. We're watching the facial expressions and their body language to see what, if there's maybe something. Because sometimes people might say they're okay, but then all of a sudden something's falling out of their eyes, and you're like, your face is telling me that you're not actually okay, but your words are telling me that you are. Right? Make an invitation. Sometimes it's a hug. Sometimes it's a, hey, let's grab coffee, because I would love to hear more about what's going on. Sometimes it's just being present in that moment and allowing, again, somebody to say the things that they need to say or just to feel what they need to feel in that moment. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for all the examples of um, the way that you just are the example for how we should live life and how we should love people. God, I thank you for your gentleness with us. I thank you. I'm so thankful for your fluff. 
God, and we know that um, fluff is actually really brave. God, and I believe that. So I ask that you would help us to be the bravest of all the people and that we would go out and that we would be gentle. God, that we would stop what we're doing even in the middle of the busy days of our, uh, that we all have. We all have these really busy days in lives, and I know that that's true. But that you would allow us moments to stop and to really get curious and be present with people in our lives. God, that you would just make room for that. That you would set up those appointments supernaturally. And that you would give us the words of what an invitation should look like in that moment too. God, that you would just help us um, as we engage in that. God, I thank you for the way that you shape and mold us. And I ask that you would continue to do that work in us and bring it to completion. In Jesus' name, amen.